one part of our Sunday worship gathering. If you'd like to join us via Zoom or indeed here at City Temple for our whole service, please email us at info at city-temple.com for all of the information that you will need. We are pleased and honored to welcome Gisela to the pulpit today to continue our series, Ancient Words for a New Day. Yes. Good morning. It's such a pleasure to be here this morning and a very special morning because um, being, being able to pray for Pastor Rod and Karen and their example of service uh, and believing on God's calling. You know, I think on the email we received this week, Pastor Rod was saying that they were planning to be here between three to five years. And 20 years later, they're still here. <laughs> so it just shows you how, you know, we have our plans, uh, but God has his plans. So we need to go along with God's plans and see what he wants to do in our lives. So let's uh, read today. We're going to read two different, in two different places. We're going to start in Jeremiah chapter 29 from verses 4 to 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give them to your daughters in, and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Because you have said, the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. Thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David and concerning all the people who dwell in this, in this city, your kinsmen who did not go out with you into exile. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am sending on them sword, famine, and pestilence, and I will make them live like vile figs that are so rotten they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with sword, famine, and pestilence, and I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse, a terror, a hissing, and a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them. Because they did not pay attention to my words, declares the Lord. 
that I persistently sent to you by my servants, the prophets, but you would not listen, declared the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning, concerning Ahab, the son of Coliah, and Zedekiah, the son of Messiah, who are prophesying a lie to you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall strike them down before your eyes. Because of them, this curse shall be used by all the exiles from, in, from Judah in Babylon. The Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. Because they have done an outrageous thing in Israel, they have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives, and they have spoken in my name lying words that I did not command them. I am the one who knows, and I am witness, declares the Lord. Now we will read Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is in my, on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hang me in behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for, for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in shell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is a light with you. For you form my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God, O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? I do not loathe those who rise up against you. I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the everlasting. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just want to come before you today. And Father, I pray that your word will comfort, 
will rebuke, will strengthen. Father, you know what we need. Each one of us, different needs. Each one of us going through different circumstances. But we all have one need. We all need you. We all need more of you. So I pray, Father, that today, as your word is being, is being preached, as you uh, are in this place, Lord, and, and as your Holy Spirit speaks into our spirits, Lord, may you do what you need to do in our lives. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to be um, his ambassadors. We want to um, be changed, transformed by your precious word, Lord. Speak into our hearts and take away anything that's hindering us from listening to your word, that's hindering our growth. May your Holy Spirit today change our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. So, continuing with the theme this week, um, I've titled this message, Discovering God's Purpose in Us. And there is something that, you know, that we, we can learn from, from the example that we've seen in Pastor Rod and Karen, like I mentioned before. And it's how, you know, when you accept God's calling, you might have your own plans, but God has his plans. And I think something that we, we should take, you know, from, from their testimony is how God can change our plans, but the calling that God has in our lives remains the same. And I think when we understand that calling, then no matter what happens, you know, I'm sure if you, you sit down with them and ask them, you know, how's these years been? There's been a lot of ups and downs. And, but they are not the same people that came here 20 years ago. And I'm sure they are better, uh, they have more wisdom, they have a lot more to give because of the situations that they have gone through. And, and it's the same thing with all of us. You know, sometimes we, we would... I don't know about you, but I'm just going to take this example. You know, when you, have, uh, well, when you were studying, maybe growing up, you, know, you had a test or an exam, the day before you are nervous, or maybe on the day itself you are nervous, thinking, what if I don't get the grade that I need? And you, I don't know about you, but I wish that it will already be the day after so that that feeling, you know, would be finished. And I think sometimes when we're going through trials, through difficulties, when we're going through uh, adversities, we want to kind of jump that horrible time so that we can look back and think, oh, I did it. But then you wouldn't be the same person unless you go through that trial. You, you wouldn't learn, you wouldn't know how to overcome unless you go through that difficulty. And, um, you know, when, when, when we look at um, the, the text in Jeremiah, we see how God... Um, had a, a, a purpose, uh, something that he wanted to teach the people of Israel um, because of their own sin in, in this case. But the Word of God continues for us, teaching us and showing us, you know, the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's the Word of God that gives us direction, that shows us where we need to go. And, um, you know, when we look at Jeremiah 29, one of the things that everybody always likes is, you know, verse 11. You know, I have plans for you. I have a future and a hope. But God was speaking to them in a time where they were going through an exile. They were in a country that was not their country. They were in a culture that was a pagan culture. They, were being, uh, they had to do certain things that were not what they wanted to do. 
they were prisoners in, in, in a way. They were in, in outside of where they wanted to be because of their own sin. But God, in the midst of that trials, in the midst of that tribulation, God is speaking to them and saying, you know, I've got you. It's okay. You know, although the circumstances that they were going through were difficult, God had a plan for them. And it's the same thing for our lives. Sometimes when we're going through difficulties, we would want to know or understand why is this happening. And sometimes the question we should ask ourselves is not why, but what is God doing in my life? What is God teaching me in this season of my life? Because I can assure you that we go through difficult, different difficulties in our lives. And sometimes we forget the lessons that God was teaching us at that time. I have I have a very good memory for important things, but a very bad memory for maybe not so important things. So I have to personally write things down because I know that when I go through a difficult time, sometimes I forget that I went through that time. And when I look back, when I read, I remember you know, all the emotions and all the feelings and all the things that I experienced that meant a lot at that moment. But you, know, you forget about it. And then, you know, you forget even the lessons you learn sometimes. So, you know, if you're going through a difficult time, don't ask why is this happening, but ask what is God trying to teach teaching me or teach me in this time. And I want to share with you four things that we need to get hold of to or discover what is God's calling or God's purpose for our lives. Number one, I have to understand that God created me. I am not a mistake. God has a purpose for my life. Just like we read in Psalm 139, there is no place we can hide from God. Sometimes we want to hide from everyone. Sometimes we want to hide even from God. But God formed us. And when we understand that we are not a mistake, when we understand that God created me, that he wanted me to be born, that he wanted me to be created, that he has a plan that is for me, when you understand that something changes inside of you. And in the case of the people of Israel, the Israelites, they were in captivity in Babylon. Even that was not a mistake. Even that, God had a, a, his sovereignty, like we learned today, his sovereignty, his supreme power of authority was in control. His providence allowed this to happen. And it was because, like I mentioned, the people of God had given the people of Israel uh, 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 laws and things that they needed to follow and their hearts departed from God so they, they began to, to, to separate their the, the, the worship from God and all of this caused this, um, the Babylonian to, the, the Babylon people to come and take over them and in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 27 to 31 it's God's warning kind of telling them it says, and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in numbers among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there, will, there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands, that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him. If you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul, when you're in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers 
that he swore to them. So the Israelites had to be in Babylon for 70 years. And somebody, I was, you know, as I was researching this, I was thinking, why 70 years? Is, is there a specific reason why God chose 70 years? Does it have a spiritual meaning? Does it have something that, you know, we can work out? And I like, I, I was listening to a preacher, and a preacher just said, the reason why God said 70 years is because it took them that long to learn the lessons from exile. So I'm, I was thinking, oh God, I don't want to, you know, be 70 years having to learn the same lesson maybe over and over again, you know. We need to understand it, and it's true. When God allows things in our lives, it's because he wants us to learn something, or he's allowing the circumstances for us to learn something. And what is it that God wanted them to learn? He wanted them to learn to repent, to, to be restored, and to wholeheartedly be committed to God and his will. Because it says that the, the promise is, you will seek me and you will find me. Because I have to tell you, there's nothing that gets you closer to God like going through difficult times. There's nothing that gets you closer to God than when you go through brokenness. When you go through brokenness, when tears and, and you feel like everything really is, you know, just overwhelming on us, that really changes something in your prayer. You pray with this, this I, I don't know, with this, I would say, feeling inside of you. That is not the same as, you know, when you pray, oh, Lord, bless us, thank you. There is uh, something inside of you because of that circumstance that you're going through that changes something in you. So if, if you're going through a difficult time, if you're going through tribulations at the moment, do not despair. Know that this is a good time. It is a good time. I know it doesn't feel like a good time, and I know you might want to jump, or, you know, to just overcome this and just be on the other side. But God is doing something right now that he wouldn't do it if everything was okay. Because there is something that just, you know, it's ignited inside of you when you're going through difficulties. The second thing, we need, or I need to accept who I am. I have to accept who I am. You know, there is, none of us has been able to, or was able to choose where we were going to be born, to whom we were going to be born, you know, the family name that we were going to have, or even the sex that we were born with. This is something that we had no choice over. And sometimes it's hard to accept who I am. You know, you might be growing up, you may have grown up in a difficult home, difficult family, different, difficult country, you know, different circumstances for all of us. But when we accept who I am, when I understand that, you know, God had a purpose and a plan for my life, and everything that he allowed in my life for me to go through, to experience, had, has a purpose. And the sooner that I learn, or the sooner that we learn to accept that, the, the faster it's going to be to, to learn, okay, God, then I understand this is what you want me to do. This is where you... This is the purpose that you have for my life. Now I understand. Because, you know, there are things that you cannot change, no matter how much you try. Things that happen in the past or things that are beyond your control, you know, just thinking about it is never going to change anything. But accepting, especially in Christ, knowing that, you know, God has, 
had his um, purpose, was, it's perfect, it's going to be perfect for you. And sometimes, you know, the one thing that, the, that we hear a lot in, in the world, it's, you know, that you're not good enough or that you're not how you should be. And there are all of these voices sometimes that speak into us. You know, that's why we need to understand who we are in Christ, in Christ, not just, you know, sometimes people, if people have a good self-esteem, they might not struggle much in this area because, you know, they, they're happy with who they are. But the majority of us might not have that high self-esteem. <laughs> so we, we need to get God to, to inject us with his self-esteem, to inject us with his identity, to understand that the way God made us, it's who we were meant to be and how God wants to use us. And I've shared with you, you know, personally, you know, in terms of, of my my um, height, how that was for me during a season of, of my life, a difficult, something that the enemy wanted to use to affect me and to make me feel um, that I wasn't good enough. And when I understood, it was actually through Psalm 139 that God spoke to me. And I, when I read that God, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made, that changed my concept of myself. Then I understood, okay, God, this, how you made me, is perfect. It might not be perfect for someone else. It might not be perfect for the standard of the world. But you made me perfect. And I accept how you made me, who you made me, and I, I will be happy with what you've given me. And that is, you know, in something physical. But it may be something else in yourself. So I would encourage you, you know, go and have your time with God and ask him, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to affirm your identity in me. You know, sometimes, you know, growing up, you, you might have been told, oh, you are, I, I, you know, when I was pregnant of you, I wanted to have a boy, and you turned out a girl. And you might, you know, grow up with that in, in your heart, like, you know, I'm not what my parents wanted. Again, go to God. God has a purpose. God wanted you to be a woman, or God wanted you to be a man. He has a purpose for your life. And when you understand, you know, that, uh, God spoke to Jesus when he was baptized and he said, this is my beloved son. When God speaks to your life and you hear those words, you are my beloved daughter in, in whom I am well pleased. That changes things. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That changes things. So listen to the voice of God. The third thing, I have to face my insecurities. Now, the people of Israel were in exile, like I said before, in a city that was not their city, in a culture that was not their culture. You know, the, can you imagine the first generation of, of, of the exiles who came and everything was difficult? You know, they had insecurity. They, they wanted, they, they longed to go back to Jerusalem. Their desire was to go back to their homeland. But for 70 years, they had to stay in Babylon. At least God gave them direction. I think sometimes I would want God to say to me how long this season is going to last. Because then I'll know, okay, in three years' time, this is going to happen. Or, you know, in six months' time, this is going to happen. Or, you know, in seven years' time, things are going to change. You know, sometimes God doesn't tell us that. But God told the people of Israel, 70 years you need to be in Babylon. So for those 70 years, Instead of being upset and angry and disappointed, you know, enjoy your life. 
build houses, have gardens, you know, work on the, on the land, you know, live from the fruit of the land, get your children, have children, multiply, you, uh, you know, get your, ki- your children married, you know, let them have, the, let, let there be multiplication, enjoy where I put you because you're going to be here for the long haul. And I would say for us, you know, sometimes the uncertainty of not knowing what's going to happen gives you a lot of insecurity. Not knowing, you know, what's going to happen in the next three months. You know, COVID has brought a lot of uncertainty. And it's brought maybe, you know, a lot of people have lost the job, have maybe lost their business. But I have to say, in the midst of those things, you can also have a lot of opportunities. You have to, we are children of God. And God has given us the power to make wealth. And I think in, in the midst of the difficulties, even when we see you know, everything destroyed around us, or maybe when we don't see that there could be something better for us, God is saying, hold on, I got you. I got you, and I do have a future, and I do have a plan for your life. And it's a good one. And I think at those moments where we need to really be filled with God's word, that those are the moments where we need to say, Lord, what, what do we need to do? For them... You know, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, God says to them, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. And it's the same, that I think applies to us as well here. We need to pray for the welfare of this city, of London, because in its welfare we will also find our welfare. God is calling us to pray for the city of London and for the inhabitants. And I think sometimes we live in a time like, you know, when Jonah was sent to Nineveh to preach and to tell them to repent. And the Bible tells us that these people didn't know the right hand from the left hand. And we are living in a time where, you know, the world is saying the stuff that's bad is calling it good. And the stuff that's good, they're calling it bad. Marriage. Why would you get married? Just live together. That's, that's enough. You know, they're calling that institutional marriage what God calls it good. They call it bad. You know, why, why would you want to commit to someone for the rest of your life, forever? Why? No, don't do that. So we are living, I think, in a, in a society where that is happening, where people don't know the right hand from the left hand. And in a way, God has called us, maybe like he's called Jonah, and in our case, to pray for the city. In our case, to establish God's kingdom wherever we are, with our testimony, with our daily living, with everything that we do. That's why God has called us. That is part of understanding or discovering your calling, your purpose. That is part of your purpose. God wants us to grow, to be compassionate, to be given, to be patient, to be more Christ-like. And the last thing is uh, we need to learn to see beyond my present and believe in God's future for my life. I know, I know sometimes it's hard to be able to see beyond the present, beyond what you are seeing right now, and to be able to look beyond to that future that God has prepared for us. Because maybe our present right now is messy, because maybe our present right now does not look like it's going to have any good future ahead. But we need to trust God in this one. We need to trust God and 
And I'm telling you this, but I'm also preaching this to myself. Because sometimes our present, you know, your present may be different from my present, but it, it, maybe both of our presents are messy. Maybe both of our presents are depressing, <laughs> you know. Maybe what we see right now, it's not what we want to leave. It's not what we want to go through. But this is where we need to trust God. This is where we really need to hear his voice. And this is where we need to know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I was saying to you before that your prayer when everything is okay is not the same as the prayer you make when something is not okay. And there's something not okay, it could be different levels. Um, when you're going, I think one of the hardest things is when you know, in terms of health, you hear bad news. I think that's one of the ones that moves you your flow because there is no solicitor that can help you. There is no doctor that can help you. There is no human being that you can go to, no matter how much money you have, that will help you when you receive bad news in terms of your health. And so your prayer of Lord bless, bless me or bless so and so is not the same prayer when you hear bad news and pray for that person or even pray for yourself. Your prayer changes. And, and something changes inside of you. But this is where we need to trust God. This is where we need to know that our life belongs to Him. And our life here on earth, it is temporary. And we cannot hold on to something that God has made up His mind to do something different. Um, when, we, when we recently got married with Marcus, when, in, in our beginning of our marriage, we always dreamed of having four children. That was always our desire, four children. So we had Elizabeth, and then we said, let's wait a little bit, you know, to have the second child. Uh, and, um, and after she was about two years, so about Jane's age now, we said, okay, it would be nice to now have a new baby, you know, so they can grow up together. But between Elizabeth being born until I had Grace, five years went by because I didn't get pregnant. And then I was thinking, you know, is there something wrong with me? You know, and then you go on Google. You know, why could not, you know, has, can, can you be infertile after having your first baby? You know, it's been years. And so, you, you know, you go and you find all of these different things. And, you know, and, and it was a struggle to, to, to get pregnant. And I was thinking, Lord, I want four children. I can't be pregnant every five years. You know, by the time I finish, I'm going to be old. <laughs> anyway, so um, I think, uh, so Elizabeth was born in 2015. Maybe, sorry, 2005. Sorry, 2005. And maybe in 2008, I got pregnant. So three years after, I got pregnant. And we were very excited, uh, you know. And um, I have an aunt who is a, a midwife, so she would do the scant even before, you know, the, I think the 12th week. And um, I remember that during that, that time, so in the first eight weeks, I had a dream. And in that dream, 
I, I dreamt that I was having my scan with my aunt and that I had twins. And on the scan, we just wanted to see whether it was one placenta or two placentas, which meant, you know, whether they were going to be identical twins or, or non-identical. And in the scan, in my dream, uh, my aunt said, oh, it's just one placenta. So I knew it was, you know, just identical twins. Anyway, it was either that week or the week after, I started bleeding. And so I, I called my aunt, she said, come straight to the hospital. You know, when I went to the hospital, she tried to look for a heartbeat. There was no heartbeat. I, you know, she said to me, look, you've, you've lost the baby and the uh, best thing to do is we need, I don't know what they call it, but they had to um, kind of take the baby out or whatever was left inside of me, but it was a process that I needed to go through anesthetic. But I believe in God. I believe God can do miracles. So she said, you, I can do that tomorrow morning. It was on a Wednesday. I said, no, no, I don't want to do that. She said, you're going to have to do it sooner or later. I said, yeah, I'm going to wait. Went home and I began to pray. Lord, I know you are a God of miracles. You are a God who can raise the dead. I, I believe that you can do it if you want to, Lord. So I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to wait. And I want you to speak to me, Lord. So uh, this was on a Wednesday. Come to the Thursday. On Thursday, God speaks to me through his word. And uh, I was reading David and um, the book of Samuel where, you know, David is praying and fasting for God not to kill the baby that he had with Bathsheba. And the word says, mm, surely this baby will die. When I read those words, I knew God was speaking to me, okay? I knew God speaking directly to me. I didn't understand why. I didn't say to God, you know, why would you do it? But I just, I just knew that God was saying to me, it doesn't matter, you know, if you pray, this is my decision. I still can't tell you why he did it or, you know, or give you an explanation. And sometimes there is no reason why. Maybe in heaven, like I think Pastor Rod said in his email, you know, one day in heaven we will see all the things that God has allowed here on earth. But here we might not know. The reason I'm telling you this is because God has got sovereignty and he's got everything under control. There is absolutely nothing. Now, I went through a really difficult time that time because, you know, people sometimes are not uh, compassionate or maybe they're not thoughtful on the things that they say to you. So I remember, you know, people would come up to me and say, oh, it's okay, you know, you'll have another one. Oh, it's okay, you're so young, don't worry about that. But those are the things that you don't want to hear those things when you've just gone through that experience because it's not that I can have another one. I, I did. I had four more after that baby, but I wanted that baby. That baby was something that I, I you know, we wanted. And it, it was a time of brokenness. But again, this is important. Why brokenness is so important, brothers and sisters? Because when you go through a hard or difficult experience, you become compassionate, you become um, humble, and then you're able to help others on that process. There was one lady who wrote to me who had had many, many miscarriages. And she wrote me a, a, a letter, and she said to me, Gisela, there's nothing I'm going to tell you that's going to make you feel better. But I will tell you what I have experienced and what has helped me through these difficult times. She said, the good news is that 
uh, no, not good news. She said something like, um, your body, uh, uh, that baby was not, maybe not going to develop properly. Now, this is not a Christian woman, okay? She said, that baby was perhaps not going to develop properly, so it was nature's way of uh, allowing, not allowing you to, to go through difficulties. Then she said, um, from personal experience and from what I've read a lot in, you know, in, 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 in um, books, you know, after you have a miscarriage, you'll be a lot more fertile eventually. Uh, and she said, um, what else did she say to me? She said to me, although this is hurtful and painful at the moment, it, it's going to get better. This was her personal words, her personal experience of what she has gone through. Those words were comforting to me at the time because she knew how I felt. And this is the thing, brothers and sisters. You will know how it feels to go through what you're going through, and you will be able to help others because of what you've gone through. So do not despise what God is allowing to happen right now in your life. It may be painful, it may be sorrowful, it may bring tears to you, it may be things that you might not want to go through, but God has got you. He's got you. He is in control. He's got you and he's in control. If you're experiencing brokenness now, just know that God is sovereign. He will not leave you. I like what Psalm 139 says. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hang me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. This is amazing. God has got his hand upon you. He has got his hand upon you. And no matter how hard the circumstance you're going through is, he's got you. He knows you. He has made you. He has formed you. You have a purpose. You have an identity. You have to face your insecurities. You will overcome this because God's future for your life is a good one. It's a good one. Shall we pray and ask God to, to continue to speak into our lives? So there where you are, just close your eyes and just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because you have got me. Your hand is upon me. Father, even when I don't feel your hand upon me, even when I don't see you, even when I can't hear you, Lord, I trust that your hand is upon me. Lord, thank you. Thank you because even in times of brokenness, Father, you got me, Lord. Your plans for my life are plans of welfare, of good, are plans of good and giving me a hope. And Father, today, I want to release all of these uh, thoughts and all of these emotions and all of this pain before you, Lord. Father, I just want to release it in your altar, Father. I ask you to take it away from me, Father, and to give me your comfort, give me your strength, give me your strength, Lord. Give me, Father, your presence and your peace. May your Holy Spirit fill me today with your peace and your love. 
Father, you have a purpose for my family. You have a purpose for my children. And today, Father, we come as a family, Lord. We stand before you, Lord, as a family, Father. Maybe I, I don't have, you know, my, my, my father or my mother or my siblings with me or my husband or my wife or my children with me, Lord. But as a family, I represent my family. And as a family, Lord, I pray that your promise that me and my household will serve you, that me and my household will come to know Jesus, Father. I pray for that promise, Lord. And I thank you, Father, because you're doing something in our lives. I pray for the salvation of my family, Lord, right now. I pray, Father, that you will extend your mercy, that you will extend, Father, your mercy upon their lives. May your Holy Spirit speak into their hearts. May you change their hearts, Lord. May you change their hearts right now, I pray, Father. And I thank you and I trust, Lord, that you've got my family, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we want to praise you and worship you, Lord. In the midst of our brokenness, we want to praise you and worship you. And we want to say, Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are Lord, and we trust you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.